0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Let's go to James in Union City. What's up, James? In Union. I'm sorry. Hey, how you doing, Larry? I'm doing hey, good, I'm James. What's happening? About the,
0: nah, nothing. I'm just calling about the uh, uh, previous caller. Uh, speaking about Saquon sitting out a year mm-hmm. and then come back next year for the $12 yeah. million. Yes. I don't think it works like that. I think the Giants have him for two years. They can still franchise him.
1: Even right. after, even if he sits out this year, I think Giants
0: uh, got it for two more years.
1: Yeah, they could franchise him next year. You're right. Right, and a year after if he sits out. Um, not sure about the year after, but I know he definitely will. He he def- they definitely will can franchise him this year. Um, I guess mm-hmm. they could franchise him if he sits out. But then again, I just James, I don't see him sitting out. Thanks for the phone call. I I don't. Six hundred k a year. Um, a week. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. When you're trying to get a new contract, and and here's the thing. I don't know that he's, and and suppose the Giants, he sits out and suppose the Giants say, you know what? You sat out. We're not going to franchise you. We're going to cut you. Now where does he go? Where's he going to go? That's my concern. Because of the way this is skewed, As far as running backs and how they're getting paid, I'd, I'd be really uneasy, really uneasy about taking that taking that chance of sitting out. Okay, really, uh, soldier thirty fifty eight. The running back is being utilized differently than back in the day. Almost every team is going by committee versus the one bell cow, 30-plus touches a game. Teams would rather pay two or three good running backs than pay one guy a lot of money, especially from an injury perspective. And that's what you're seeing. You're right, Soldier 3, 30, You're right. That's exactly what it is. At Rack NJ, what is Denny Dimes without Saquon? Picks and fumbles? Quan set the tone last year in game one last season. Get paid. Does Brian Dayball and Joe Shane believe that they can build Daniel Jones so that he is not to say he doesn't have to, he doesn't need Saquon Barkley. Because once again, they did not cut Saquon Barkley. They want Barkley on the team. They just want him on the team for, excuse me, they just want him on the team for the salary cap of whatever the franchise tag is, so they know that they need him. And so this is kind of a transition, right? Because they went out, they improved their offense in theory with Darren Waller. He's going to, if he's able to stay healthy, he is a top-notch tight end. Production will not be an issue from him. There's no question about it. His track record speaks for itself. The only question about him has been availability. When he's on the field, he produces. So already they have a more consistent passing game from him. They've got some wide receivers, some through the draft, some that worked with them last year. So for them, they should be more potent to go down the field. Daniel Jones has great legs. He can run. We've seen that. He's very effective running the ball on keepers and RPOs. And yes, Saquon Barkley is there as well. So this is Brian Daybol, uh moving, transitioning into more of a passing game for Daniel Jones to see if he can consistently get the ball down the field without the turnovers that have plagued him in the past. So that's what they're trying to find out. They believe that they, being Shane and Dable, believe that they have gotten a scheme that will make Jones effective, that he won't have to be forced where he's going to turn the football over. Now, of course, the offensive line has a lot to say about that. And if the offensive line continues to improve, then. It'll be a little easier for him to sit back there and read his keys and read the defense and go down the field the way he's capable of going down the field. And if not, he'll take off and run. So this is the the transition year. This is, let's see what he can do. So, Rack and Jay, you're right. But once again, they believe Barkley will play. So to Barkley to see what he's going to do. Would it be – it's going to be tougher if Barkley's not there for Jones. But they've got all training camp to try to figure out what to do and what other options they have. They'll bring other running backs in. They'll run some different things. They'll see how life is without Saquon Barkley. I mean, let's face it, Saquon Barkley wasn't going to play much in preseason anyway. I mean, to be honest, I don't know how much Daniel Jones is going to play in preseason. Our teams don't play a lot of starters in preseason anymore. Especially quarterbacks. Because of fear of injury. Losing your quarterback in a preseason game? <laughs> right? But yeah, he's going to take most of the snaps to training camp, of course. He's going to take the snaps. Because there's no fear of injury there, unless it's a freak injury. Because nobody's going to hit him, nobody's going to touch him. They better not. If they are, they're going to be handing their playbook in right away and walking out the door. So it's a it's a transitional year to see how Daniel Jones can work because as one of the callers mentioned, Daniel Jones has a four-year contract. That four years is not guaranteed. He's got guaranteed money. A portion of his contract is guaranteed. But if he has a backward season, John to be drafting the quarterback. next year because are they really sure that Daniel Jones is the guy are they really sure they ended up paying this money because they weren't sure what to expect from Daniel Jones they wanted to see with their own eyes how amenable was he to change how could he adjust how quickly could he learn the new offense and so he passed all the tests and so they think that he'll be you know he's there quote, franchise guy right now. But that could change. One bad season, you put the doubts in. Then last season becomes the exception, not the rule. And then you have to spin around and do something else. It's going to be an interesting season for the Giants. Because as I said, they're really, in a sense, they're really a year early. Last year, they weren't supposed to make the playoffs. They were supposed to build and put in this new system and, you know, obviously have the new culture of what used to be up in Buffalo and bring it here. And they surpassed that, got a playoff spot and won a game, beating Minnesota. So now really for them to be for the success to continue, they need to at least get to where they got to last season. A lot of things broke right for them. We'll see what happens this season. When we return on the Dan Grasa show, we'll turn our attention to low baseball. Mets and Yankees were in action yesterday. Ironically, even though the Mets won and the Yankees lost, both teams lost their series this weekend. It's going to be a long baseball season, ladies and gentlemen. I just got that feeling. We'll discuss that next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: New guy leading off tonight, huh? Despite the fact that Gleyber Torres had, what did I hear LaGreca say, had five five consecutive games where he had a hit in the leadoff spot?
2: That's right, and I mean they're putting his feet to the fire immediately. All the Yankee fans that wanted Josh Donaldson out of here and Peraza in, well, you got it, and he better produce because if not, I think he's the next up on the chopping, uh, the chopping block. No? Well, it could
1: be, Joe. That is he being shopped? Is he up right now to see what he can do in these next games before the All before the All Star break, before the trade deadline? So, see, just how, you know, just how major league ready he is field defensively and offensively?
2: Maybe. And he did show yesterday a couple of good plays in the field. Base running play where, I mean, he's still second base, which ultimately led to a walk and he did get thrown out. But he's got the speed. The thing is, what is his back in a play? He has one extra base hit this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe. I mean... But who are you selling him to? Is he going to be in the package for Otani? Is he going to be in the package for Soto? What's the asking price? or what's Who's clamoring for, for Oswald Peraza right now? Besides the Yankees because they desperately need him because they don't have a third baseman.
1: Mm-hmm. You're right. It's a good question. I don't know. But there's a reason why they brought him up and the reason why they're putting him in the lineup. And listen, if you're a Yankee fan, that's what you want. You want to see him. Oh, no question. You don't want to bring him up here and sit him on the bench. You want him to play. There's no question about it. You want him to play. So I hope he plays. I hope he does well. That would be great. Because let's face it, you have some you you need some questions answered. Okay? You do. You need some questions answered. Uh, Aaron Boone, I hear what you're saying. It is inexcusable for you to lose two of three to Colorado, especially the game last night where you had the lead, where Garrett Cole did exactly what he's done all year. He's been phenomenal. He's been your ace. You turn it over to your bullpen, which is arguably the strength of this team, and they blow the game. Can't do that. that, that, That's a bad loss. It's a bad loss. Yeah, you're saying manager speak, and I get it, and that's how you have to look at it. But while you were taking that, team bus on the way to the airport i'm sure you were not sitting there telling that to your coaches well we just have to put this behind no you guys were ticked off about that you cannot lose two of three to colorado point blank you can't i get that you're still close in the wild card race i get that you're you you don't have that margin for error you still need to beat teams like colorado because you're about to hit a stretch And Yankee fans, you know the stretch I'm talking about where you end up facing Baltimore, Tampa, and Houston right at the trade deadline. Tampa and Houston right at the trade deadline. Those 12 games, they could. And I know baseball's funny. I know baseball's different. I know baseball's unique. You you know, your momentum is only as good as your next day starter. All you need is a hot streak. Judge could be back. All the, thi- all the things that baseball accomplishes, But that 12-game stretch, you have to do really well in that 12-game stretch. You have to do really well. Because that could knock you right out of the wild card spot. Easily. Easily. Now, do I think you're going to do something at the trade deadline? You have to. There's no way. There is no way. In covering Brian Cashman as I have over these over these years, there's no way that he, and there's no way that Hal Steinbrenner is going to allow it. There's no way that this Yankee team is not going to do anything in the trade deadline when they don't have a left fielder. And they're and they're searching for third base. Let's be honest. You know they're going to do something. They have to. Because they need a bat. As a matter of fact, they need bats in this lineup. And yeah, they'll probably pick up another reliever because that's what the Yankees do. And depending on how Luis Severino pitches, you might need a starter. So they've got some work to do in this trade deadline. And they need to steal some wins before you go into that heavy stretch. You just do. Now, you've got an Angels team that obviously... You're facing Otani, and of course, somebody's gonna ask about Ortani coming to the Yankees. I mean somebody's got I mean come on, why wouldn't you well, Brian Casper was on m l b network Radio, and he was asked, so will the Yankees trade for Otani?
3: Well, I wouldn't be able to speak to any specific names out there, but uh but you know, who's to say that that particular name's out there either, so um, you know, I know. Anaheim like us, they're trying to to get after it or Los Angeles like us, they're trying to get after it and find a way to to, to qualify and um so I'll let you I don't know if you've got Perry Manazian on the uh, on the schedule for today's uh um, broadcast, but if you if you do, then you can ask him about his his business, but I'm definitely interested in improving our our uh, chances as we move forward here in this final you know push.
1: All right, Brian, so we can't ask you specifically about Otani. But once again, on network radio, MLB network radio, what are you trying to do with the deadline?
3: Yeah, I think, well, it's always, I, I would think every general manager is going to, you know, respond with the pitching, pitching, pitching always, regardless. So even though, yes, we, you know, we uh, we just got Rodon back and then Nestor Cortez is due back, obviously we've got to get Seve online and get him firing uh, like the Seve of old. You know, and Schmidt just came off a great start, and herman has been fantastic for us. And so we got a lot of pitching depth there, but uh, that doesn't preclude us from being open, you know, to adding starting pitching or, or bullpen, we've lost some important bullpen pieces along the way uh, to injuries or obviously suspension. And so I think we'll look at the pitching side. And then to answer your question, yeah, we'll continue to focus on adding maybe a bat there that uh, that could be a more of established everyday offensive contributor in left field if that's viable or not. You know, remains to be seen. So you know, whether it's a you know a right-handed bat that would platoon with what we already have, or whether it's a full bore everyday position that can lock it down against lefties and righties, it all remains to be seen as we move forward and what's obtainable and and if the prices can match with us
1: a right-handed a a right-handed bat in left field if it's attainable uh i think it needs to be (laughs) that's just me that's just me but i i think so i think you need another bat in the lineup my friend I think you need more than one bat in the lineup. I really do. Uh, no mention of Frankie Montas, huh? You didn't mention Montas. I can't believe he had to be shut down again. That was funny, actually. <laughs> he's got to be shut down for a couple of days. Soreness in his repaired right shoulder. You know, I'm beginning to think he's not going to pitch for the Yankees ever again.
2: But, Larry, they would do the trade over again.
1: Yeah, I don't believe it. I know they say that. I I just, I, I can't believe it. I, I refuse to believe that. I refuse to believe it. That trade was bad. That's like saying I would do the Minnesota trade over again. <laughs> I don't think they do that. I really don't. I hope not anyway. Because of how it's turned out. Brian Cashman, when will we see Aaron Judge back in the lineup?
3: He's checking those boxes in a positive way. You know, he's doing some running. He, you know, the hitting uh, is going well. But, you know, ultimately, you know, as long as he keeps responding to the added workload, I think we'll get a better, more clear picture after this road trip.
1: Yeah, look, uh, the fact that he was taking batting practice, the fact that he was doing some running, that, that's that got to make you feel better as, as a as a Yankee fan that he's about to come back. But I think Don LeGreco made an interesting point earlier today, and that is the fact that how this team has just fallen apart offensively without him in the lineup is it says a lot, and what it says was just how shallow the lineup was with him in there that it could not survive any period of time without him. And listen, could the Angels survive Ortani from being out any amount of time? No, it would hurt them. It definitely would hurt them. But what has happened is nobody has come in to consistently pick up the slack for this team. I mean, the Mayhew will show you something for a couple of games. Stanton had a couple of bombs this weekend in Colorado. Uh, You know, Glaber Torres will get some hits. I mean, it's... The Yankee offense has been the ultimate tease. Bader will get a home run. He'll get on base or something of that nature. And then they just don't get enough runs to score. Okay? They just don't. And they rely so much on their bullpen that there's no margin for error. So if the bullpen happens to have a bad night like they did in Colorado yesterday, you lose that game. I mean, Garrett Cole leaves leaves you with a lead in that game. You're not supposed to lose that game. On nights when Garrett Cole pitches, you cannot lose those games. Plain and simple. And I get it, you know, for the Yankee fan, this is like—I mean, we're begging. It's like the Yankee fans, are like, We're begging. We're we're begging for the final wild card. This is not where we're used to. We're used to winning the division. We're used to being the, the the first wild card. We're used to, you know, having more success. This is not where we're used to. And this is the second consecutive year that the offense has not been what it was. And I will say this to you before we turn our attention to uh, the Mets. In my opinion, the worst thing to happen to the Yankees' offense was the success they had in the first half of last season because it fooled the front office to think that this lineup was really as good as they performed in the first half of the season last year. They were never that good. Just like they weren't as bad as they performed in the second half last year. They were somewhere in between. They're closer to where they performed in the second half, but they're not that bad. They're, They're a distance away from how they performed in the first half. They're closer to what they are in the second half, but not as bad. And so, and that's with the additions of Rizzo and that other guy who I'm not going to mention because it'll make Yankee fans angry. But he's no longer here, so that's okay. That's what really hurt this team. Because then it's almost like, it's like the front office said, you know what? This, we're closer to what we were in the first half, and we had injuries, and so we're not as bad as people think we are in the sec- the second half in the postseason. Yeah, you are. And it's shown this year. So now, cashman has got to do a better job at the deadline to try to get another bat and some consistent play in left field to help you a little bit. For this second half push. Because otherwise, you can forget about it. You might not make the wild card at all. one 800 919 3776 we will come back, take your more, take more of your phone calls, and talk about the Mets On 987 ESPN.
4: This
0: is the Dan Grasser Show. On 98.7
1: ESPN. <laughs> Harry's in Brooklyn. What's up, Harry?
3: Good evening, Larry. Um, I think that what's going to happen is the Giants are going to find out this, it's the same thing that happened when Emmitt Smith decided to hold out. And when he held out the first two, two or three games, Dallas was going to win a game. And you know the results of that. He, he wound up getting his money. So I think that's what gonna happen, what's going to happen with the Giants.
1: Well, Harry, thanks for the phone call. Maybe. I, I don't think so, but anything is possible. I just, because I don't think he's going to hold out. See, that that's the thing. I don't think he's going to hold out. Now, he might, he might decide, he and, he and his team may decide, you know, that's the way to go. We're going to hold out a couple games, see what happens. But here's my question, Harry. What happens if the Giants win those games? I mean, you know. In that scenario you gave Emmett Smith, they lost they uh, Dallas lost those games. You know, I don't I don't know, You know, there's no guarantee that they're gonna lose the games without uh you know, without Saquon. No guarantee. Listen, there's no guarantee they're gonna beat Dallas with Saquon. <laughs> the way Dallas and, and the Giants have been going, it's it's one of those things. It's one of those things. Artie's in Brooklyn. What's up, Artie? Hey, Larry, thanks for taking the call, bud. You got it, my friend. Talk to me.
0: I think I was going to start at like a GoFundMe page, so this way the (laughs) Jets could uh, somehow raise enough money for Dalvin Cook. Because, I I mean, I I wanted both Hopkins and Cook, and it it is the two-year period that they're going for, and I want to try to copy what the Rams did. And they basically, as soon as they traded for Stafford, they were all in, and they just... Mm -hmm. Got as many good players as they could, and I think um Hopkins now put Tennessee back in in that you know big grouping of, of good teams which the AFC is stacked and I think that Cook could raise the jet level, and I want to get your take on the jet defense because they were rated last year as a top five defense, but to me. A lot of that had to do with um, the quarterback, the, the the third string, second string quarterbacks that they faced, like for four, three or four games. I understand. Look, you play, you have to play. But to me, when they played Detroit and they had the lead and they gave up that lead, even though it was it was that one play to the tight end, that was a mental mistake. And good teams, playoff defenses, top five defense. Don't do that. And I'm looking at the starting, just the starting team, because the injuries, it's all about depth. But yep. the injury, the uh, starting team, they got beat time and time again deep. I don't know if you remember that first play with, with Diggs in Buffalo. And the, the safety, the free safety on that team is going to be the starting safety in Whitehead this year. And I just think that they need a better player than that. They drafted Ashton Davis. He yeah. played that position in college, but for whatever reason, they just don't like him. So yeah. he's not getting it done in practice or whatever. So they they can't go again with Whitehead, and and they need a linebacker in the worst way. They just lost Alexandria. They might sign him again. But mm-hmm. to me, it, are they a top-five defense? That's all I want to know. Thanks, Larry. I appreciate it, man.
1: All right, Artie. Thanks for the phone call. Uh, So... Statistically, they were a top five defense last year. With the eye test, they were not a top five defense last year. And part of that, to be fair, Artie, you're right. Part of it was mistakes. Part of it was mistakes in communication. Part of it was mistakes in coverage. Part of it was uh, self-inflicted wounds, penalties on third and long or second and long when they could have and they couldn't get off the field. I would think part of that could be helped this year by having a more potent offense where at least now your offense is moving the football and you do have an opportunity, A, to not be on the field 75, 80, 85, 90 plays a game. And B, well, they're scoring. And now if the if your team is scoring, it's a little different defense that you're playing because now you're kind of dictating what's happening, right? You kind of know. If 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 the team has put 21, 28 points on the board, okay, you kind of know that the other team has got to pass the ball. So now that kind of dictates how you play defense, okay? So I think the fact that their offense should be better, which will allow them not to be on the field so much, will help them, will help their position rise. But I also think that, Uh, they will make some adjustments and guys will have the second year of being in this offense, in this defense. They'll be better. They'll understand it. They'll learn it. They'll be better. And let's face it, Robert Sala's got to do it. Robert Sala and and the defensive staff have to do a better job of getting these guys prepared. Okay, there's no question about it. Because as I said yesterday, and I've said it before, the identity of this Jet team is their defense. The identity of this Jet team is not Aaron Rodgers. I mean, he's a part of their identity. He He's a big part of, he's the offense. They're expecting him to be great and to transform this offense into a very potent offense that could help a team get to the Super Bowl. But it's really about this Jet defense, right? Because, I mean, Artie, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, you mentioned Dalvin Cook, and they don't need a fundraiser. <laughs> they don't need the GoFundMe page for Dalvin Cook. They're waiting for the price to go down for Dalvin Cook. They've got a price. If the price fits, they'll sign him. It goes back to the Saquon Barkley conversation we've had all night. It's about the running. It's the price for a running back. That's what this is about. And so, I mean, I read somewhere where he's asking for $6 million and said no. Wow. For Dalvin Cook, who's really good and whom you don't know, there's no guarantee that Brees Hall is going to be the way he was when he left, before he left the field. Brian's in Jersey. What's up, Brian?
4: Larry, what's going on, man? Big fan of yours.
1: Thank you. Sir. Um,
4: I, I'm just, I'm just kind of piggybacking from what Artie said, and i and and I hate what, I don't know. I just feel like all the Jet haters said, you know, last year they were playing, you know, backup quarterbacks, and and that's why they won a few games, and I just feel like, uh, you know, he was skeptical about the Jets' defense, and I just think that having Aaron Rodgers is just like you said just right after you're already called that's gonna help a whole great deal and that's why I think the jets are gonna succeed this year is because they're gonna be in in much better field position you know the amount of three and outs that the that the jets had last year is is unfathomable it's 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 crazy so I just yeah. think that the jets are gonna go a long way just for having that you know, above-average quarterback and, you know, Aaron Rodgers. You know, I know he's 40 years old, but I just think with his expertise at the position, I think the Jets are going to go a long way, and that's it.
1: Well, I hear you, Brian. Thanks for the phone call, and I hope, as for, for you Jet fans, I hope that's the case. Better keep him upright. That offensive line has got to be outstanding. That's what I know. But, yeah, you look at the Jet defense and... They weren't perfect, and I'm not giving them excuses and trying to say that they were, you know, great. They had their moments, and it's not a knock, Brian. There were backup quarterbacks that they faced. It's fact. It's factual. But they they played well, and they won the game, and that's what they were supposed to do. I mean, imagine if they had those third-string quarterbacks beat them. <laughs> you really have an issue. But they did what they were supposed to do. They won those games. They played well. And they kept it close. So the offense found a way to put points on the board. I mean, come on. You look at those. You look at the games the Jets lost last year. Where all they needed was decent quarterback play. I'm not saying great quarterback play. I'm not talking about, boy, you know, if they really had Dan Fouts, or if they had uh, you know, Peyton Manning, or Jim Kelly, or you know if they had the, the great quarterbacks, boy, they would have. They would have been. They would have won those games. I'm not even. Ta- I'm not talking like that. Just the two New England games alone, you should have won. Just think, if you won two both of those New England games, you would have been in the postseason last year. How scary is that? And you were and you were in position to win both. You were in position to win both. one 800 919 We'll take more of your calls next on 987
2: ESPN. Hey, yeah.